0: Well, for those of you who uh, have been reading up on the announcements and have seen the front of your bulletin this morning, you know by now that uh, this month, the month of June, is Missions Month. For the entire month of June, we're going to uh, have a, a special missions emphasis. We, we do throughout the year, but especially in the month of June, we are uh, going to be hearing from uh, some of our missionaries In the weeks to come, and we're going to hear from one this morning. And uh, also from me as well, we're going to be hearing reports about the mission field and, of course, messages from God's Word on missions. Uh, Super excited to have Scott and Ruth Yingling here with us. Uh, We have been supporting them as a church for a long time. I nailed that down this morning. I figured out it's been 30 years. So almost as long as this church has been in existence... And uh, so we're super excited to have them. Also super excited to be uh, supporting a next generation from their family missionary, Josiah, who will be with us next week. Who is uh, getting ready to be married and, and then is going to be heading off to, uh, to Nepal. And uh, so he's working with Ethnos 360 and we're going to be partnering with him as a church. So we'll hear from him next week. But, but Scott and Ruth... This week, uh, for those of you all who have been with us for some time, uh, you may have even been on a mission trip with them And when they were serving in Mexico, planning a church there and doing uh, evangelism and discipleship, church planning work there. And uh, since then, he is, uh, they, they have been committed to uh, Spanish-speaking people, seeing them reached for Christ and, and discipling them and equipping them for the work of ministry and so wonderful work there but they're in transition once again in ministry and uh, so at this time I'm going to invite him up to uh, share about that uh, the, the new work that they're going to be involved in so um, join me in welcoming them. Okay, It's
1: really great to be with all of you and as Pastor Graham said it's we go back 30 years with this church. I mean, we remember when it was uh, a home group, and then in a storefront, and now in your building. It's great to see the church has really grown, and it's solid growth, and through all that, all the years, um, maintain that passion for missions, so it's, we just really appreciate all of you, and appreciate this church so much. Our children have fun memories with this church because um, of all the the groups that would come down over the years. I think our first team from this church came when we were expecting our fourth child monica on the left hand side so our you know children grew up and remembering and appreciating and having fond memories of many from this church so i'm just going to quickly give the family update and then uh, scott will uh, update you a little bit more but uh, josiah the one on the far right of your screen our oldest will be married in july and you'll be hearing from him next week yes i think he's bringing ashley with him so you'll get to meet her we we love her we're really thrilled to welcome her into our family. She's just a wonderful young lady. Then Brianna, the next one, is graduated with her master's degree from Moody Bible Institute and master's in discipleship. So she is looking to see where God wants her to serve. She'd love to be an overseas missionary if the Lord opens that door. But for now, she's living at home and working to pay off her college college loan. And <laughs> got to do that first. Uh, middle child Erin will be married in August. So we have two weddings this summer. And uh, uh, he's marrying one of our missionary kids who grew up in Honduras. So we actually have known her parents since uh, since we were students at Moody as well. So really thrilled, love Lizzie, she's a wonderful young lady as well. Then um, Monica is the next one, she's on the far left. Um, she is working at Sky Ranch. She's my my little adventure buddy. She's quite the active person. Uh, Another job she has actually is at a climbing. She does rock climbing, so she's an actual uh, route setter at the Tyler Rock Gym, so it's another interest of hers. Um, We have fun together. Uh, uh, Keegan, our youngest, is a junior engineering student, electronic and mechanical engineering, and uh, so he is uh, studying. He's our last one in college, thank goodness. <laughs> Almost done putting those kids through college. So uh, that's the family update. I myself, since I finished um, homeschooling the kids a couple of years, I think last time we were here I was just about to finish and uh, just Three wondering wondering what was next. That was a couple of years ago. So uh, since then I've been working. I'm doing a lot of uh, writing of curriculum, especially, and giving workshops. I get to curriculum and give workshops um, on mostly cross-cultural awareness, and um, for missionaries or people doing cross-cultural work, and, and others. So, really love that. It's a, it's a passion of mine, and have come to really enjoy teaching those workshops.
2: Very good. Thank you. Well, that's the better half. When you know, when she's saying, you know, the church here, we've been partnering for thirty years. You're like, can she be old enough to do that? Now you look at me and you're like, yeah, they're old enough. (laughs) Uh, It's downhill from here. But we have loved partnering with this church for so many years, and we're just so thankful uh, for the partnership that we've had. God has worked in amazing ways in Latin America, around the world. Because of our partnership, literally millions of people have been impacted. For, for the gospel. And we want to share, real quick, some of the ministry to get you caught up on what's going on, and then, then we'll go into the Word. For those of you that are anxious to get into the Word, we're going to be in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. But uh, God has kind of changed up our, our, our job about every 10 years. So, back in the 90s, when you sent us, first sent us out, you sent us to the least reached area in all of Latin America. It's the Bajio region, just north of Mexico City, where at that time about one half of 1% of the people knew Christ as Savior. And uh, we thought we would be there the rest of our lives planning churches, but God worked in an amazing way, and in the short 10 years that we were involved in church planning, the church was just blossomed, and all these cities, huge cities that had no gospel witness, little churches were springing up all over the place. Many of you visited this place. A number of you joined us on missions trips to do evangelism outreach or other things, and this is the, the church in San Juan del Rio where we worked. Then we saw and we realized in the, in the 2000s, you know what, all these new believers, they're anxious to share their faith, they want to plant new churches, but they don't have any resources to do it. They don't have any training to do it. And so God switched our, our focus to start providing resources for church planners and leaders. We, we wrote curriculum, we pulled things together that were already written, we started making them available in print and online and things like that. And, and during those years, we were helping to equip uh, the Mexican people themselves, so that they could do the ministry, so they could reach their country and beyond. Well, then in 2010, God called us back to the states. We left Mexico and we came to Dallas, our mission headquarters, Camino Global is the mission organization, is based in Dallas, Texas. And so we moved back this way to work from the home office. The, our home office saw the potential of providing resources and training on a global level. And so they asked us to come back and we, we started a new uh, department called Global Training and Resourcing where we provide all kinds of different ways to help equip missionaries and Spanish speakers in in any country of the world, working in over 100 countries in the world via internet and things like that. We do online training, provide online resources, and uh, this is one of our events in Colombia where we're helping to equip Uh, a new generation of missionaries. Now the church has grown and matured in Latin America where they want to send missionaries to places, and we welcome that because there's many places where we as white Americans, we can't go. You know, it's pretty hard to go to Pakistan or Syria or Iran right now as an American. And if you do, you have a target on your back and nobody wants to be around you, uh, but Latins... Mexicans, uh, Costa Ricans, Hondurans, they can go to these countries, they can get visas, they look the part, they're more comfortable with the culture, they fit in better, and they can be effective witnesses for Christ. And so it's exciting for us to see the whole circle, where we went, first of all, where there was no church, and we evangelized, and we discipled, and we started the church, now that church is maturing and growing, and they're starting to send their missionaries around the world. Isn't that exciting to see? Isn't that exciting to hear? God is at work, okay? It doesn't just depend on us as as white Americans to make this whole thing happen. God is doing something much greater and, and bigger than us. Well, we got the shocking news of November of last year. Our board announced that Camino Global, the mission organization that we've been with for 29, 30 years now, that um, they are, transi- that we are, not they, that we are transitioning and integrating with another organization called Avant Ministries based in Kansas City. I'm very excited about this um, because it's gonna give us an opportunity to better serve the missionaries. Their organization is a little bit bigger than ours. They have 344 missionaries, we have 266, and together we're gonna have about 600 missionaries serving in over 50 countries around the world. We're we're gonna be able to provide better missionary services, we're gonna provide more long-term stability economically for the mission to continue on in the future, and we're gonna see some missional synergy and effectiveness. Now, what does missional synergy mean? Well, basically, right now, one of the things I'm excited about that we're doing is what I just mentioned. We're training and preparing Latins in Latin America to go to other countries in the world to, to share and to work as missionaries. But you know what every time we send a latin somewhere if it's a country where we don't work as as our organization we have to come up with agreements and who's going to receive them who's going to provide their pastoral care who's going to help them get their visas who's going to sponsor them all these issues and it takes a lot of work to send an individual missionary to some country we just sent a honduran couple to the muslim area of the philippines it took us three years to get through all the paperwork to make it happen all right Missional Synergy is, Avant, they work in 40 countries where we want to send Latin missionaries. So now, within the same organization as of July 1st, we can send those missionaries, and there's people there to receive them, there's people there to give them pastoral care, there's people there to help them with their paperwork and all those things. In-house, it will be much more effective, and we'll be able to send a whole lot more Latin missionaries to other places because we're working as one organization. So come July 1st, We're not working with Camino Global anymore, we're working with Avant Ministries, and actually because I'm working with the leadership, I'm moving, our family is moving to Kansas City where their head offices are. So we are packing boxes, we we got a break today because we got to come with you, Uh, but we're packing boxes on June 15th, the U-Haul goes to Kansas City, and we'll be working from there. What exactly is it that we're going to do? Well, you can pray for us on that. We know we're about God's work, uh, but the exact way our ministries are going to mesh together is still being determined. I'm working with a number of task forces uh, to to figure out how everything is going to land and how we're going to work together. And once the dust clears, then we'll see, with the skills that I have, how we can best minister and help the overall um, efforts of, of Avant. So pray that God would lead us clearly in this next assignment. You'll notice, again, we're 2020 now, and every 10 years it seems like God says, okay, you got a new job. So 2020, and and we're ready to go. We're anxiously waiting to see how the Lord is going to use us there in the International Service Center in Kansas City. So our passion, maybe you say, how does all this work? It sounds like a bunch of office work. I thought you missionaries went to other countries and talked to people and stuff like that. Well, that is our passion. Our passion is and has been ever since 29 years, 30 years ago when we started, is connecting people to Jesus. That's what it's all about, right? Where would we be without Jesus? That's why we were worshiping together. That's what we just sung about, right? He is our hope. He is our life. He is our future. Without him, we have nothing. Um, and so everything that we do is based around these three things during the break in, in the sermon Somebody came up and mentioned to me. He said, you know what as a church We have three goals or our vision our mission is three steps And these three they're different words But it's kind of the same thing and, and it's like yes That is what we do as believers. We're called to help people know Christ evangelism grow in Christ Discipleship and then go to wherever God calls them to impact others for Jesus Christ That's what it's all about. And so while we don't know our specific role and job and how everything is going to work out in Kansas City, this is what we're excited about. Um, Our particular focus has been Spanish speakers, helping them know Christ, helping them grow in Christ, and now helping them go around the world to share with Christ uh, where he has not yet known. So what, what we've done over the past years is innovate Um, partnerships. Since we came back from Mexico, we're not on the front lines. There's a whole lot of work that can be done to develop partnerships, platforms, websites, web platforms, print platforms, projects, different specific projects that impact people for Christ. So with the skills and gifts that God's given me, I set up these things, and then we find national believers and missionaries to plug into these ministries and use these partnerships, platforms, and projects to reach others for Christ. Some people say that sounds really confusing to me. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to zip out of this um, this website or this uh, PowerPoint and go to a website. And I want to share with you a very specific project so you can get a feel for the types of things that we're setting up. All right. Any of you heard of Global Media Outreach? Anybody heard of that ministry? Okay. All right. We partner. It's one of our partnerships, Global Media Outreach, and we work with the Spanish speakers. Okay? I've recruited 125 online missionaries that connect with about 50,000 people every year. All right? Now, let me explain real quick what you're seeing here. Okay? First of all, this is in real time. This is happening right now. (sighs) You mean God's actually working somewhere else besides our church at, at 1130 in the morning on Sunday? Yes, he is. Look at that. God is working all over the world, all right? And what you see there are different dots. This is happening as we speak in real time. The blue dots are people coming to website that shares the gospel in their language, okay? Um, Global Media Outreach pays 10 cents whenever somebody types in a search for God or Christ or whatever, they get their site on top and they pay for that, all right? People click on it, and in their language, they see a gospel presentation. And the blue dots are people watching that gospel presentation, okay, as we speak. Now, this is all the different languages. I just work with the Spanish. I couldn't pull out just the Spanish. This is all the different languages that GMO works in. Then the orange dots are people that are making decisions on the website. They say, hey, I want to know more, or hey, I want to trust in Christ, or I fell away from Christ, but I want to come back and rededicate my life to Christ. Anytime somebody clicks and makes a decision on that evangelistic website, the dot turns orange, okay? People are making decisions for Christ. Isn't that exciting to see? As we sit here in church, God is working around the world. And then what we really do is we come alongside and people say, I need help. I need somebody to help me figure out this life. I have questions. I need counseling. And so if people ask for somebody to follow up with them, we connect them via email, secure email channels, to do one-on-one discipleship. And those are the green dots. As green dots come in, one of our online missionaries is writing or connecting to somebody um, that is asking for help, all right? God is transforming lives, even through the Internet, all over the world. Isn't that exciting to see? So this is an example. We can flip back to the PowerPoint. This is just one example of one of the about 25 projects that I manage, okay? And so through our partnership, your, your prayers and your participation and your finances, as we work together, God is literally impacting millions of people for Jesus Christ. We're so excited to see all the things that he's doing. And I want to thank you personally um, for your participation um, in, uh, in this work. There we go. Thanks for partnering with us for 30 years. Man, next time I might have to come back with my cane, huh? <laughs> all right. Very good. Well, I want to move on to Ephesians here, because Pastor said we have to be done by one. Is that right? <laughs> All right. No, I think I got the time right. We need, we need to run here quickly. Are you in Ephesians 2 with me? I want to share something. You know, one of the things that we just worked on last year was developing a workshop for churches in the U.S. It's called Latino Community Engagement. And uh, many churches have come to us and said, hey, your mission, you focused on Spanish speakers for 100 years as an organization. Uh, Help us reach all these Spanish speakers around our neighborhood. We don't know what to do and how to reach them. So uh, one of the projects that our mission asked Ruth and I to do was to write this workshop uh, last year, which we're now making available to churches in the U.S. on how to effectively engage the Latino community in their neighborhoods. Uh, one of the key passages that we use in this, in this uh, workshop is from Ephesians 2, where God shares with us uh, his provision for two serious issues. Okay, Now, Paul is writing here to Ephesians, the Ephesian church, And uh, this is a very cosmopolitan city, okay? There's people from all different countries there, and they're focused on, uh, you know, business, and there's a lot of education going on in this city. Um, There's the theater, a lot of entertainment and things like that. Very cosmopolitan, and in this environment, which I would say is very much like the United States right now, Paul talks about two significant issues and his provision to help us with those. So that's what we're going to look at very quickly here, all right? The first problem is one that you've probably, if you've been part of this church for any amount of time, you've probably already talked about and heard about a lot. The first problem that we face is spiritual death. And in verses 1 to 3 there of chapter 2 in Ephesians, he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were all by nature deserving of wrath. Whoops. I just accidentally hit that. There we go. So um, we see that a a common problem that that we face as unbelievers is that we're dead spiritually. It says we're disobedient, we're depraved, and we're doomed, right? Well, that's a problem that that we face, that everyone faces. What is the uh, provision for God? He talks about a vertical reconciliation, okay? Vertical, we're reconciling our relationship to God. You know the word death? The word death literally means separation, right? Okay? So when, it, when the Bible says that we are dead, it means we're separated from God. And we need to be reconciled. We need to be brought to Him. Uh, and, and he says here, this is a very common passage. Many of you probably memorize some of these verses. But because of God's great love for us, he who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then we can almost say it all together because we memorized it, right? Right? Uh, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Praise the Lord, right? Is there anybody here that says praise the Lord? We were dead, okay? We were doomed. We were depraved. And God, by His grace, saved us. He loved us. He gave us eternal life. And He exalted us to give us a position. Um, in his family. Praise the Lord for that vertical reconciliation. Have you all been reconciled vertically? Okay. In a a group this size, I'm sure that there's one or two here that maybe have heard of this vertical reconciliation but haven't yet made that decision. And I encourage you today to consider it. You know, as I walk through this life and the ups and downs and the struggles and the problems, I'm just like, how do people without Christ ever make it? I mean, This world is just so hopeless. I would, if I didn't have the peace and the presence of God in my life, if I didn't have the promises that he provides to those that are reconciled vertically, I don't know how I could continue on in life. Praise the Lord for the vertical reconciliation that he provides for us. Now this verse 10 is a really interesting one and I want to make a point here. It's kind of a hinge verse in this whole chapter, okay? Let's look at verse 10 and you know it. We are, for we are God's Workmanship or handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now wait a minute. Haven't you heard that we're not saved by good works? Wait, but we're created to do good works. Okay. See, I found many churches now today, and because they're so strong and it's great, they're strong on the gospel message, you can't work for your salvation. You can't get it that way. You've got to trust in Christ by faith that all of a sudden, good works kind of become like a bad thing, right? Shh, we don't talk about good works. That's not no. We're saved by grace, by faith. Well, we, we can't discount it that way, okay? And I found many churches have gotten to this, what I would call an easy believism. Just believe in Jesus and everything will be okay. Just believe in Jesus and, and we'll all see each other in heaven. You know, um, this verse says, and it's right after these verses that talk about being saved by grace, he says, we're God's handiwork created to do good works, We're not saved. Is anybody here saved by their good works? No, we're not. Nobody can be saved by their good works. But are we saved to do good works? Yes, everybody here is saved to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a job for you. God has a purpose for your life, okay? It's not just believe in Jesus and someday we're going to heaven and in the meantime I can do whatever I feel like. That's not what the Christian life is all about. Alright? God has prepared good works for us all to do in advance. If you're saved, He has a plan for your life. Alright? Here's some other New Testament examples that talk about the importance of these good works. In Matthew it says, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, we should abound in every good work. Colossians 1, and be fruitful in every good work. Uh, 2 Timothy talks about the result of the knowledge of the Bible is that the believer is thoroughly equipped for every good work, okay? This is Fellowship Bible Church, right? We study the Bible here, and the purpose of that is so that we're equipped for every good work, all right? Um, uh, Titus says, as believers, we're to be enthusiastic about doing good works. Are you enthusiastic? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, oh, this is the weekend, just, let's just rest. <laughs> we'll get enthusiastic on Monday or something like that, right? God calls us to be enthusiastic about the works. Some other verses here in Philippians, God, it says God does this. It is God that works in us to, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. These works are his, his, uh, his plan. And our good works are evidence that we have been born again. Matthew 7 says, Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Wow. Okay, there's a lot more that we can unpack there, but we don't have time. Take a look at that one this week sometime and and meditate on that. 1 Peter 2, Our good works are also testimonies to the lost. They win us the right to be heard. It says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God. So you see, there is a purpose and a plan for good works. It's not a bad word. Good works isn't a bad word in the evangelical church. We are not saved by works, but we are saved to do good works, all right? So this brings us to, to... This is the hinge, like I said. This brings us to the second problem. And the second problem that Ephesians talks about here in this chapter is a spiritual distance. A spiritual distance. There are many people that don't have access to what we're enjoying. We just worship together. We enjoy warm fellowship together. We serve one another. We love one another. We care for one another. And there are many people in this town... In this state, in this country, and all over this world that are distant. They don't have access to all that we're enjoying in Christ Jesus. Okay? Listen to what Paul says here as he's talking to this uh, this church in Ephesus, this cosmopolitan church of people made up of, a city made up of people from all kinds of different countries and areas. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision. Uh, and he's reminding them here, he says that's what's done by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Isn't that a sad situation? Here we sit in America. Here we sit in the Bible belt. Here we sit with our Bibles in a nice air-conditioned room receiving and enjoying and fellowshipping and giving and, and taking and, and all of these wonderful things, and there are people that are without hope. There are people that are, don't have God all over this world. But, he says, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Wow. Praise the Lord. What did it feel like to be, in, in those days in Ephesus, if a Jewish person come up, a Jewish believer and said, oh, you're a Gentile. How did that feel? What did that convey? Have you ever been one of those in some status or race or, or gender or something? Oh, you're one of those. Wow. Wow. Okay? But God is saying, you know what? I'm calling my people to do something different. Okay? In in the Old Testament it was exclusion to keep themselves pure, right? From all those evil nations around them. Now God said through Jesus Christ I'm doing something different, and now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Man made divisions are broken down. Those that were separated and excluded no longer are. Those that were without hope and without God have now been brought near by Christ's work. It's a reality. It's a done deal. We didn't do it, He did it. But how does this affect, how does this um, uh, impact the way we live our lives? God's provision is not only this vertical reconciliation that we talked about, not only did he save us and reconcile him with himself, but he is providing the path for us to create a horizontal reconciliation with people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every gender and every other way that we as humans try and exclude people. He is asking us to reconcile as his uh, representatives in this world. He says in verse 14, Um, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, this is key, what is it? One new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. That's the key. What's God about today? What's God about in our world? He's trying to create one new humanity. All right? Verse 16. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those of you that were far away. Oh, those Gentiles. And he preached peace to those that were near. Oh, the Jewish people, no? In, their, in that day. The Jewish believers. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Wow. God destroyed the barrier. He created one new humanity. He dealt with the hostility between us. And He gives every single person equal access to grace, to faith in Jesus Christ. So, what's the key concept here for us as we we close? Yeah, it's almost 1 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. What I want to help us see and pull out of, these, of this passage this morning is that the distinctions of race, status, age, gender, social class, all of these things are eradicated at the foot of the cross. God said, enough. It's done. It is one new humanity. We are one in Jesus Christ. And God calls us as His believers, as His representatives, as His ambassadors in this world to develop a visible unity among ourselves, among this diverse body of Christ, um, to the praise of His glory. That's what He wants us to do. Now, we can't always, uh, you know. There's there's a lot of places in this world where. Where we're pretty monocultural or mono, everybody's kind of the same, and 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 it's hard to make that a reality. About the only way we can do that is by sending missionaries to other places, and that is a valid way to do it, right? Part of the reason, part of the way that that this church fulfills that command is by sending missionaries to other places, right? That's part of it, but God here in the in he, he he um. He wants us to go a little bit further, and I think you here in Jacksonville have a unique opportunity to do this. Look at these last verses here of chapter 2 as we finish up. Consequently, he says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Now, Paul here is addressing those Gentile believers, and they're like, whew! They, they felt like outcasts. They were just hoping to, to have, you know, a little bit of, to be on the periphery and get a little bit of God's grace here or whatever. But, but, but God is saying, no, you are right in. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. You're one nation. You're one family. You're one temple, or we would say today, one church. You're one house, okay? God wants his church to communicate unity in the diversity of our world. Is our world diverse? Is Jacksonville diverse? It sure is. I was blown away. I did a little demographic study real quick on Jacksonville, okay? This is just one stat of many, many stats you can find on the, on the um What's the website, Ruth? Uh, uh, U.S., it's um, the U.S. Census website. I forget, I forget what the, I should have put that on here, but I didn't put it. Anyway, look at the diversity in Jacksonville, okay? First of all, recognize that there is no majority population in Jacksonville, okay? Um, There's there no majority. Everybody, every racial group is less than 50%. So everybody is a minority in Jacksonville, okay? doesn't matter what your race is you're in the minority (laughs) all right so white is about 40% of the population here in Jacksonville Hispanic is very close 36% and the black community 22% okay Jacksonville is very diverse more diverse than many many places in the United States but this is the future as you looked at the stats nationwide this is where the whole country is going, okay? We're a very diverse, a very cosmopolitan um, uh, city and country, uh, very much like Ephesus in the day when the, this passage was written, all right? So why um, or, or how um, do, we, do we make this diversity happen, this unity and diversity in the, in the, in the body of Christ here? Well, there's a couple of different ways. There's an individual level, and I'm speaking to each one of you individually, okay? Do you have, do you know believers that are um, Hispanic, or that are black, or, or, or of another r- racial group? Do you fellowship with them? Do you eat together, all right? Individually, do we have those kinds of conversations, those kinds of connections, or do we pretty much stay in our own homogeneous, comfortable group? You know, I I totally understand. It is much more comfortable, isn't it? I mean, in our own group, we feel much more comfortable. But God is calling us to embrace a larger group. All right. As a church, what are we doing as a church? Okay. Is our outreach, is our fellowship, is our, you know, are, are we just, are we embracing the entire body of Christ here in Jacksonville, or are we reaching out to the entire population, or are we focused just on our homogeneous group. There's three reasons here that I think it's important to consider this as we close. And we need to do that, right? Yes, we do. One is the unity in Christ is an amazing testimony uh, of the church. Back in the day in Ephesus, you know, everybody had their own little community, okay? There was the the Gentile area, and there was the Jewish area, and everybody was divided. And all of a sudden, these believers come together from different ethnic backgrounds, and they're like, What's going on over there? Now, that I've never seen. The Rotary Club doesn't do that. The Lions Club doesn't do that. I mean, look at those believers. What are they doing? That is interesting. Okay? So as we, as we develop unity in Christ, that becomes the testimony of the church. Jesus says that they may be one so that the world may believe you have sent me. Unity like this that we're talking about here is unparalleled in human history. It defies human understanding. In our world, in our schools, we, we always try and push for it, but there's always division, there's always breakdown. It is an amazing, powerful thing when the Holy Spirit works in us and we um, provide a, a unified front in, in Christ's name. Also, diversity reflects our participation in the mission of the church, the, the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's great, and, we're, and you're sending missionaries to all the world to do that, but what about the nations that are here? You know, We've sent missionaries, but the mission fields come to the U.S., all right? What about, what about those from, the, from different nations that are right here in Jacksonville? How can we reach them? How can we connect with them? How can we include them? And then finally, number three, inclusion leads us to the ultimate goal of the church, why do we do this church thing anyway? Have you ever thought about that? You know, I mean, we come Sundays, we sing, we, you know, we, we give the offering, we have our class, um, you know, there's all kinds of things going on here in the church. What is the purpose behind everything that we're doing, all the resources and the money and everything that we're trying to do? It leads us to the ultimate goal that Christ gave us for the church in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Behold, A great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb crying out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb who sits on the throne. Isn't that going to be an amazing day? I cannot wait until we're all around that throne. And we hear all kinds of different languages and and we're singing all kinds of different songs and it's one great unified act of worship to our God and our Savior. Inclusion, as as we embrace this truth and we make it a reality in our individual lives and in our church life, inclusion leads us to God's ultimate goal for the church. When we're together, worshiping around the throne. That day's coming. You know, sometimes we forget because it's, we get so bogged down and everything that's going on and so tired and so busy and so stressed. But this is what God is about. You've seen, we have shared, shared with you some of the amazing things God's doing around the world. And He's leading it all to that time when the church will be with Him and worship Him forever. What can you do this week to help make that future reality bring it to fruition? How can you change? What, who can you invite? Who can you go out of your way and talk to? How can you push yourself into an uncomfortable situation to enable what God is trying to do to become a reality today and move it forward till that day when He comes and it's all perfect? Can I pray for you? Let's pray.